0: So, what makes an addiction an addiction? Why is it so compelling? Why are we driven to certain things again and again? It's because of uh, definitely there are multiple reasons, there are spiritual reasons but I'm talking about the psychological and the physiological aspect of it. Uh, our body has some chemical substance called dopamine. It, it is generated by our body during certain things. So there are different hormones in our body, oxytocin, dopamine, Adrenaline. What is adrenaline? You know, it is a fear response. You know, uh, for example, when you're going on a roller coaster or somebody crosses the, you know, car suddenly as you're driving. So there is this rush in your body. You can feel it in your body because there is a sudden Rush of adrenaline. So, and some people get addicted to that adrenaline rush. That's why they keep involving themselves in dangerous activities because it's addictive. So is oxytocin, so is dopamine. Most of the so called addictive behaviors, you know, has this uh, chemical dopamine. And your brain doesn't know the difference between the actions. Brain doesn't know you are drinking or smoking or doing some nonsense. Brain just responds by this chemical. So, so your brain tells your body, or your mind tells you, the psychology of you tells you, saying, hey, 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 whatever you did right now, remember that next time when you're in stress, next time when you are under pressure, whatever you did that, do that because that makes you feel good because it releases this feel good hormone. So you keep doing those things again and again, and that's how addictions form. And you, when you go and talk about freedom to people who are addicted, they often say, oh, no one is truly free. They are just addicted to something else. So if you want to be free from smoking, you have to become addicted to something else. You know, if you are, you know, uh, addicted to sugar, then if you want to be free from sugar, then you need to get get addicted to something else. So basically, you cannot be free. You have to be addicted to something. Is is the belief. It is true in some sense, but I want you to give clarity in what way it is true. When you see a paper floating in the air, carried by the wind, what do you see? You see, okay, some paper, some, you know, waste paper, lying on the roadside is being carried by the wind. But on the other hand, when you see a rope attached to a paper, you, you you take time to watch that because that's a kite flying. There is a string attached to it. So which paper is truly free? Both is carried by the wind. But which paper is truly free? Is the paper being carried by the winds on the roadside just going here and there? Is that paper truly free or is this kite truly free? In every freedom, there is a restraint involved which gives freedom meaning. There's a huge fan here. A couple of kids who came and saw this, they were scared they're like, will this fall on us, <laughs> right? And um, is this fan free? Yes, this fan is free because of the constraints. Because it's being pulled in all directions and held in tension so that it doesn't fall. And therefore it is free to rotate. So, the freedom this fan enjoys is precisely because of the constraints it has subjected itself to. So, there is no true freedom unless you subject yourself to restraints that are by original design. This fan is designed to have those constraints, then it is free to rotate. The kite is designed to be restrained by the string. Therefore, it is free to fly. In in that sense, whatever constraints are there in the original design, that is what gives you true freedom. And when you cut those constraints, you're not making yourself more free, but you are subjecting yourself under bondage. Paul uses the language the same language i want uh, three guys to come over to help me with this thing so let's say this guy is sin okay what is he sin, sin. okay and this guy is grace like grace And let me read from verse 12. Sin is a dethroned monarch, dictator. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live, compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So sin has a desire, sin has a craving. And when you subject yourself to sin, it controls you. It compels you. It compels you to obey. Because it's a dictator. He doesn't have heart. It wants everyone under its control to do what it wants. So this guy might be doing all sorts of nonsense, thinking he's free to do those things, but he's not free because sin is controlling him and compelling him. And he is not able to say no to this thing. So then refuse to answer its call to surrender your body. Okay, I'll, I'll, come, uh, I'll come to this. What are we supposed to do? Should we sin to our heart's content? Since So Jesus comes. And what did he do? Did he deal with sin? How did he set him free? He did not deal with sin. He basically took this guy. On the cross. Right? He took the sinner on the cross. And when he died, he also died. Put your head that's... A, uh, so the moment he is dead, his connection with the sin is cut. Because nobody can dominate a dead person. Nobody can control a dead person. Nobody can manipulate a dead person. You know, he might be addicted to smoking. After he's dead, you go and decorate his tombstone with cigarette packets. He's not going to smoke anything because he is dead. You cannot rule over a dead man. So, when he's dead, his connection with sin is cut. And he's buried. And then he's risen and made new in Christ. And when he's made new in Christ, he is truly, truly free. He is absolutely free right now. He is free. And this is where it says, what are we to do then? Should we sin to our heart's content since there is no law to condemn us anymore? You're not under law. You're under grace. You're free to do whatever you want to do. Does that mean can we do whatever we want to do and sin to our heart's content? What a terrible thought. There, it says, God forbid. Or in Tamil language, it's like, you can't think about that. Don't you realize, I want you to read that phrase. Don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master? Come on, say that. Grace frees you To choose your own master. That's the freedom that grace gives you. So here, when you are under sin, sin doesn't give you freedom to choose your master. Whichever way you are trying to go, sin is going to hold you tight. But when you come under grace, grace is not holding you like this, just like how sin holds you. Grace sets you free and gives you freedom, sets you free to choose your own master. In the Old Testament, there is a word called bond servant. Who is a bond servant? There is a slave. According to the law, a guy who is a slave is supposed to serve his master for a particular period of time. And after he serves that period, he is free man. He can go as a free man. He can. He need not be a slave anymore. He need not serve the house anymore. So when the period gets over and that guy becomes free, and you know he receives a freedom chit, saying he's a free man, he goes to the door, and he can decide whether to go out as a free man or stay in the house as a free man to serve the master because of his love for him, because the master has treated him well. Because the master has taken care of him well, out of his love for him, he can make a choice that I'm going to serve you all my life. So when that guy who is a free man, not a slave anymore, decides to serve him, Voluntarily making him a slave again because of love's sake. You know, they get into an agreement. You know, they put um, what I hole in the ear at the doorposts. Where he says, I'm going to be bound to you as long as I live. So now he is a bond servant, not a slave who doesn't have a free will, but through his free will, he has subjected himself to serve you. So that kind of submission comes out of free will. You choose to do that. And that gives you freedom because you're free to go. You're free to do. You're free to be here. You're free not to be here. Right? See, if you've seen movies, you know, sin is like this wicked, torturous, you know, terror face cut. <laughs> 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 so, he's that wicked guy. Mm. he is this wicked guy who has taken this girl abusing right so the hero comes and rescues her fights with him and rescues and if the hero is going to do the same thing to this girl of what this villain did then It is not a love story. It is a horror story. But when it is a love story, when the hero sets her free and he says, you're free. And he goes. And then the girl goes like, don't leave me. You have taken care of me so well. You rescued me. I will be with you for life. Then a heart comes. (laughs) Right? So, That is called a love story. So grace, what does it do? It sets you free from the tyranny of sin and death and truly sets you free. Grace gives you, sets you free to choose your own master. Put that verse. Grace sets you free frees you to choose your own master but choose carefully but choose carefully now again you still have the choice either to go with grace or to go with sin but choose carefully for you surrender yourself to become a servant bound to the one you choose to obey if you choose to love sin it will become your master and it will own you and reward you with death. So when you choose sin, right? Hmm. Sin rewards you with death. But what does grace reward you with? Grace rewards you with freedom because it leads you into perfect righteousness. And righteousness leads you to life. Because in the path of righteousness, there is life and there is no death. In fact, the amplified version of that verse in Proverbs says, In the path of righteousness, there is immortality. Now, change the scenario. Let's go to the garden. There are two trees. Tree of knowledge of good and evil, tree of life. And God said, Man. Okay, look at, Stand stand and look at the both. God said, Adam, you're free to choose. This tree is going to bring you death. The Bible says, do not eat of this tree because this tree will... God did not say, if you eat of this, I will kill you. God said, if you eat of this, I will not kill you, but you will die. And Adam was free, free to go to the wrong tree. So Adam, when he went to the wrong tree, heaven's top priority. You know, when, whenever we think about this, you know, God put two trees in the garden. We think God was giving Adam and Eve a test of obedience. Let us see whether he is going to obey or not. No, 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 no. The reason for the two trees is not a test of obedience. The reason of two trees is freedom. Unless there are two trees, man cannot be free. Free to say yes or no. Are you able to understand? Okay, if there are only two trees of life, then he's still not free because it's a tree of choosing either. It's like saying choose. No, it's not a choice. It has to be choose. It has to be two diametrically opposite things. So why did God give those things? Is to activate man as a free being. Freedom Is top priority. So therefore, when Eve was talking with the serpent, God did not show up. God did not do anything. God did not put a barbed wire around the wrong tree with the danger sign with the skull and you know, siren going. And whenever it comes near a particular uh, radius, it was, in fact it says, it was in the middle of the garden. It was in the middle of the garden. If we had if I had been God, where is this wrong tree? Huh? It's in Mount Everest, where these puppy shame fellows will take for a million years to find. Right. But God puts right in the middle of the garden because freedom is his top priority. Let me tell you something. You will always have two trees in your life. You will always have the freedom to choose. By, so when, if, if God is an Indian parent, right? When he goes to the tree, he would have like, <laughs> Right? Jumped and said, Poof! I told you not to go. I told you not to eat that thing. Okay, give me that fruit. Like Jesus put the ear back, you know, put the fruit back and say, okay, no one saw, okay? Say, okay. Don't go near that damn thing again. If I see you go near that thing, I'm going to take the apple out of you. All right? That's how we parent. And we think that is loving him. We think we are protecting him. But true parenting is about giving the freedom to choose and explaining the consequences of both choices and enforcing the consequences. Pa, you cannot stay inside the garden. You ate of the wrong tree. That's a difficult way to parent. It's easy to punish rather than give choices and consequences. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, in choosing this, he loses freedom. He loses the power to say yes or no. But when grace sets you free, you're still free to say no to him. You can still walk away from him. But at your own cost. But still you're free to do that. But that freedom, for it to be true freedom, it has that constraint. That constraint is different from this bondage. This is bondage. That is love's constraint. So when we respond to love's constraint, we walk in freedom. And when we say no to love's constraint, we get into bondage. See, and God is pleased with you. For in the past, you were servants of sin. But now your obedience is heart deep. Ah, so there is obedience here that comes out of free choice. But that obedience is heart deep. How much ever you are connected on a heart level, with this person, that much your obedience is automatically. How much ever you are connected with, you know, that much your obedience is. And your life is being molded by truth through the teaching you are devoted to. So whichever voice you're, that you're listening to, that voice is going to mold you. Because that obedience is from heart. So whatever you allow your heart to be influenced by, that's going to reflect in your obedience. Right? Then it goes on to say, and now you celebrate your freedom from your former master sin. You have left its bondage, and now God's perfect righteousness. Holds power over you as his loving servants. Who is a loving servant? A bond servant who has used his free will to serve out of love. So you are free to serve. Verse 19 is what I want you to look at. I have used the familiar terms of a servant and a master to compensate for your weakness to understand. This is not a perfect example. This is like telling you have to be a slave to something. Just like how the cigarette guy tells, oh, if you want to be free from smoking, then you have to become a slave to something else. Then only you can be free from this. So if you have to be free from sin, then you have to be a slave to righteousness. If you have to be uh, free from devil, then you have to be a slave to God. And then Paul says, hey, I'm using that language Because of your weakness in understanding. That's not a perfect example. Let me read verse 21. So tell me, what benefit ensued you from doing those things that you are now ashamed of? It left you with nothing but a legacy of shame and death. What does sin give you? A legacy of shame and death. But now, as God's loving servants, you live in joyous freedom from the power of sin. What, what does grace give you? Joyous freedom. It gives you freedom with joy. When I was, you know, your age, I want to bring everyone to Christ who is in my circle. Right? I had a passion for ministry. Um, so there was, I was in school and there was this guy in college. He used to drink, smoke, you know, do drugs. So I'm like, that guy's my target. I'm going to lead him to Christ. So whichever way he comes, I go literally physically, right? If he sees me in the road, he will take in another road and run because I'm going to be after him and say, Anna, come for prayer, come for prayer, come for youth meeting. Finally, I got that guy and saved him. Right? Saved him. Why he's laughing is because he already listened to the story in Tamil service. <laughs> so I, I, I basically saved him from sin and made him part of the prayer cell. Two weeks later, he comes and says, "Tambi, I have a question. Say, yeah, tell me now. And he says, "Uh, my friends are all have noticed that I have lost my joy for the last two weeks. (laughs) And I'm sad all the time. Why? He got freed from sin and I made him a slave to religion, to self-righteousness. So now he's not drinking and smoking, but now he's thinking God's love is based on his capacity to live a holy life. So he's constantly walking on eggshells because this whole holiness thing can break any moment. And he's constantly like this and two weeks he hasn't smiled and his friends are like, what happened? And he says, I'm going to church. I'm like, oh my goodness. Let us stay away from church because our friend lost his joy. And he's asking me, Thambi, will salvation make us lose our joy? I knew the right answer, but I didn't have a practical answer though. Here it says, grace gives you Joyous freedom. It gives you true freedom and true joy from the power of sin. So consider the benefits you now enjoy. You, you are brought deeper into the experience of true holiness that ends with eternal life. For sin's meager wages is death, but God's lavish gift is eternal life found in your union with our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So knowing him is eternal life. So this connection, right? You are free. You're free to walk out or you're free to say. But it is like this. A tree says, why am I stuck in the ground? I don't want to be stuck in the ground. I want to move around and pulls itself off the ground. So the tree is free, right right now? What do you think? Is the tree free? Finally, from the ground? Hmm. What happens to the tree after it pulls itself from the ground? It dies. So is that freedom? See? So true freedom brings you life. And there is a constraint involved in that freedom. It looks like you're losing your freedom. But you're not because it's leading you to life. A fish cannot say, Ah, everybody is walking on beach. I'm just stuck in water. I want to have a walk in beach. No. You going against your original design does not give you freedom. It just brings more death. That's why God designed marriage for a male and female. Not to constrain, but to empower. When we look at that and say, ah, why only male and female? I will do whatever. I want. I'll, I'll get married to this post. <laughs> yeah. One guy in China got married to a doll. <laughs> so he carries a doll around because he says his doll never fights with him. (laughs) Yeah, you're free to marry a doll. You're free to marry a donkey for that matter. But does it bring you life? Original design and the constraints that come with it is what brings you freedom and freedom brings you, true freedom brings you life. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 onwards. Surely you must know that people who practice evil cannot possess God's kingdom realm. Stop being deceived. People who continue to engage in sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, sexual perversion, homosexuality, fraud, greed, drunkenness, verbal abuse, exhaustion, these will not inherit God's kingdom realm. It is true that some of you once lived in, this, in those lifestyles, but now you have been purified from sin, made holy and given a perfect standing before God, all because of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and through our union with the spirit of our God. Look at, look at the next verse. What does it say? It is true that our freedom... Allows us to do anything. Thank God Paul was not today preaching this thing. If he had preached this sermon, they would have cut this phrase out of his message. It is true that freedom gives us. Yeah, allows us to do anything. Oh, Paul says you can do anything you want to do. Especially having after a list of all the junk. Sexual immorality, homosexuality, drunkenness, da 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 da. It is true that you are free to do anything. Then the next video comes, right? Paul says, You are free to do anything. You're free to drink. You are free. Is that what Paul's saying? Yes, that's what he's saying, but he doesn't stop there. He says, it's true that our freedom allows us to do anything, but that doesn't mean that everything we do is good for us. I am free to do as I choose, but I choose never to be enslaved to anything. Wow. It is true that our freedom allows us to do anything. So you were under bondage. You were not free to do anything. You were only free to do a particular thing that the sin wants you to do. Grace came, set you truly, truly free. Grace is not holding you right now, right now. Like, live holy, pray. That's not what grace is doing. Grace is setting you free. Grace is setting you free for a face-to-face relationship. It doesn't make... What is the legacy here? Shame and death, where you put your head down, but grace lifts... You, it lifts your face and, and makes you see f- face to face. So, and grace sets you free to do anything. You're free to go back to this lifestyle. or you are free to choose your master? Where you walk together in this freedom journey. And when you walk with grace, when you walk with Jesus... He takes you into deeper level of freedom. For example, if my words offend you, I said something and it offends you and it creates bitterness within you and you're angry, then you are a slave to my words. Right? Because my words is making you go like... "Mm." But when you walk with Jesus, he will teach you saying, you are more than my words. So when you go down by bitterness and anger, grace says, no, 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 no. Look at me. You're not what that guy says. Right? So whenever you keep listening to his voice, it brings you more and more freedom. You're free from my words, from my toxic words. So the next day you come, and I say, hey, "Hey, hey, hey." You're like, "Hey," and you keep walking. And I don't I cannot control you anymore because you're free from me now. Many people think they are free to be angry and free to be bitter. Free to be offended. But bitterness, offense, unforgiveness doesn't lead you to freedom. It leads you to bondage to people's opinion to what they think and what they say. True freedom sets you free. Sets you free from people's opinion on uh, on all these nonsense. And you're free to tell me I love you. Irrespective of what I tell you. Because you're truly, truly free. And my words don't have the power. I'm free to do as I choose, but I choose to never be enslaved to anything. Come with me to First Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 23. You say, under grace there are no rules, and we are free to do anything we please. Not exactly, because not everything promotes growth in others. Your slogan, we are allowed to do anything we choose, may be true. May be true, but not. Everything causes the spiritual advancement of others. The word is edifying. You're free to do anything. Yes, of course you are. But not everything edifies you. Are you free to eat only ice cream? Yes, you are. But only ice cream can damage your health. Right? So you, you're free to do anything that you want to do, but not everything empowers you. Let me ask you something. Who looks like a powerful leader? Pharaoh, who commanded the millions of slaves at his word and made them do what he wanted to do? Or Moses, who was going around Begging these fellows to believe in God. Who looks like a powerful leader? Hmm? Pharaoh. Oh, he sits on the throne and he just commands. Everybody runs at his word. He's got a bunch of slaves. And he looks powerful in the world system. But God's power is not revealed in his capacity to control you. God's power is revealed in his capacity to empower you. So he wants you empowered. And it is always difficult to lead a free community. A supernatural culture is a culture of freedom. But to maintain it as a culture of freedom is a difficult thing. For example, when we teach, everyone can prophesy. Everyone can hear God's voice. So this guy starts prophesying. And does that freedom have the potential to cause trouble? Oh, yes. He can say whatever he wants to say and says, "Thus says the Lord. That can create problems in the community. So as a leader, when I see that, I have two options. I'm like, man. Hereafter, if I see you prophesying, that's it. And then tell people nobody prophesies in this church except me. Because I am the God ordained leader of this house. That's out of fear. I control. Ah uh, but to teach people how to use this freedom to prophesy. Effectively. See, we all grew up in a culture where we were externally managed. The other day I was speaking to a guy. I said, man, why are you dragging your PhD? Why can't you finish it? He said, Ana, I lack uh, if somebody forces me to do this thing and daily gets on my Nerve and says, If you don't finish it, then I'll finish it. That's what I'm lacking. Honestly, he is a product of our education system. From the small, we are externally managed. Rewards and punishments. If you do this, I'll give this. If you don't, that, I'll. Yeah. You don't finish it. Even when your mom and dad calls you, hey, Sonny, come. Dinner is ready. He might not come. We'll continue to play. But when he comes like, Sonny! Then we're like, okay, daddy is serious. Let's get to work. Because we think, okay, till they shout like that, they are not serious. So, because we are trained to Give power to others. Okay, you manage my freedom. You force me to do things, then I'll do things. Changing that culture and saying, hey, 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 you can value certain things and you can take decisions based on what you value. Imparting those values, modeling those values, that's a more difficult thing to do. It's easy to bring in external management systems of rewards and punishment and try to do those things. But God doesn't want you to be externally managed. God wants you to be internally empowered. That's why he doesn't... We have two angels, right? Walking with us. Right? If those two angels are like Indian parents, one on this side, one on the other side, whenever you do something wrong, like, you know, keep you on track then we, we might have a very perfect world. We might not have Taliban taking over. But we are in a free world where our choices matter because God wants free people. top. Can you imagine so much chaos in this world? If I'm God, I would press the refresh button. Delete everything and start all over. It's amazing how God values freedom. And comes and walks with you and empowers you and teaches you and says, listen to my voice. My voice is going to empower you. My voice is never going to limit you. My voice will never cut down your freedom. It brings you into deeper level of freedom as you walk in this heart connection. Any questions? Do you have any questions? Come on. I hear you, Lord, ask a lot of questions in circle time. And what does that freedom look like? Is that a freedom to do anything that you want to do? Yeah. So certain choices lead you to death. Fantastic. And when you respond in love because he's the lover of your soul and when you listen to him and you begin to walk in true freedom that brings you life. Right? And this freedom did not come to us cheap. It came with a price. Honestly, think about this. When you come and you're stuck here, basically you are bound to everything around you, right? What dress you wear, what car you drive, how much money you have got, everything has a voice to enforce your value. So you're basically bound to all these things. You're a slave. So you have to make more money to make you feel more important. Or you have to look a certain way to look more important. Or you have to be in a certain house to feel that you are you're bound to everything. You're a slave to economy. You're a slave to uh, the looks. You're a slave to people. You're a slave to everything. And you're confused about your identity. Everything is telling who you are right now. Money is telling you who you are. Your color is telling you who you are. What language you speak is telling you who you are. Everything is getting into your identity. And for grace to set you free from all those voices and to bring your identity into one solid place, which is the Father's words over you, is not an easy task. That did not come out cheap. Grace did not come and stand on the outer edge and say, Hey, Sonny, come here. No, you were entangled in a mess, and it took the blood of Jesus and the broken body. Right? Um, see, what is the value of this iPhone? Hmm? What is the value of this building? is the price that we paid. That's the value, right? We define value of an object by the price that we are willing to pay, to possess it. And uh, come here. When, when your identity is so caught up with so many things, Jesus wanted to prove your value to you. and so many voices are battling in your mind to tell you who you are. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit decided, man, we're going to go for Sonny and make him know who he is. And it took God becoming flesh and dying such a terrible death to shed every drop of his blood just to let you know that you are my beloved and you are worth every drop of my blood my goodness when you see this come on it tells you how precious you are the Father, Son and Holy Spirit comes around you and says Sonny you are worthy you are precious You're too precious that we are, willing, we are willing to give our life to make you know how precious you are. It might look as if I'm using you for an example, but the Trinity wants you to know that the Trinity really wants you to know that you are like this. And you're not just being a part of an example. Or an illustration, but truly, truly, and heaven celebrates you and values you as you are. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Drink. Yeah. So, everything that God says and does is designed to reveal freedom is designed to reveal your value reveal your identity reveal who you are and the more and more you know it the more and more you walk into freedom so is the area of giving what does it say in 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8 let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion for God loves in a cheerful giver. There is no compulsion to give. And Passion Translation says, let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Oh, I have to tithe. Oh, I have to do this. No, not from a religious duty. No, you're you're not bound. You're free not to give. But let it spring up freely from the joy of giving. All because God loves hilarious generosity I like that God loves hilarious generosity because he is a hilariously generous person for two people there were four rivers in the garden He's hilariously generous so when he sees someone operated from his DNA it gives him joy but religion makes us stingy. Religion puts compulsion on us. Fear makes us stingy. Fear limits us. But when you are free, it reveals... it is revealed in our generosity. May you be free to be generous. May you be free to choose. Grace brings you freedom. Grace sets you free. Grace gives you joyous freedom. Grace brings you into freedom that brings life. Grace leads you to perfect righteousness that results in eternal life. It's your voice that gives true freedom. It's your voice that empowers. It's your voice that brings freedom. We give you glory. Oh, yes. Lebra Kalamana Shantura Badarana de Yantara de Rade. Lebra Mana May his voice set you free from people's opinion, from fear, from insecurities, from every other voice that is trying to define your value and significance. May you be free, 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 truly free, truly free, truly free. Yeah you can pray in English.
1: Thank you, Father, for your voice makes us strong. Your voice over us removes shame. Your voice sets us free. Yes, your voice does. We speak the voice of the Father over you. We speak the voice, His voice over your mind. Receive the voice of the Father over your mind. Receive the voice of the Father over your health. Receive the voice of the Father over every addiction and be set free. We speak freedom truly free be truly free we speak that we release that yes we speak it we release it we bring our minds to agree with what the voice says about us bring your minds in agreement with what the voice of the father speaks in your heart with what the voice of the father speaks in your mind Bring your thoughts in agreement with the voice of the Father. Yes, you are a child that knows to listen to the voice of your Father. We say Amen. Let's say Amen. I say Amen to the voice of the Father over me. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. forgot to tell you the important thing. The important thing is when you're relationally connected with someone and feel their love the same oxytocin is released because you're designed for that, that's the original design to feel good in a context of relationships and love that's your original design yeah and when we don't get those things relationally, we try to look for those things outside relationships. And they don't lead us to freedom, they will lead us to bondage. And may the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and keep you in perfect shalom. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much. There are many of you writing questions to us uh, saying you listen to a particular message and you so now you want to know more about things that's why we have designed the academy so that we can channelize you because there are a lot of content out there Uh, if you just listen to a couple of messages definitely it creates a lot of questions in your mind if you're from a different paradigm so if you check out the academy websites You will find uh, courses that can give you systematically uh, and lead you in a journey. We really appreciate you taking your time to look into that. Thank you. God bless you. See you guys soon.